0: This is CliffCentral.com Morning, welcome to the latest episode of The Bounce Show, Human Rights Day. And it's your human right to be informed about sport, everything about sport, insightful stuff about sport, entertaining stuff about sport, or just ludicrous stuff about sport. I'm my own MVP, I promise. Right, so, huge weekend, here. Eh? Well, how about the cricket, the rugby, the football? Golf was even pretty exciting. Jason Day winning there in Bay Hill, second in the world now, big deal. All of this coming through to you today. Plus, we've got a little panel discussion on what the best T Twenty team is for the Proteas at the moment. Difficult conversation to have, really, because news is that JP Duminy is kind of out. Uh, not entirely sure for how long, but it's definitely confirmed that he tweaked his hamstring quite bad yesterday when that Shazad was just smashing the Proteas bowlers everywhere. JP was running to the fence, and then suddenly he couldn't run anymore. Yeah, it's difficult, huh? Difficult. So we've got that to consider. I've got my panel discussion guests, uh Simiarif and Langdon Bat. We'll be doing a little chat which we kinda just recorded yesterday to be completely frank with you. But it's about getting the intensity in the moment. So that's why we did it yesterday, not today. Talk about the best team and I've also got clips today from Gary Kirsten. I managed to get an exclusive kind of one-on-one interview with him, just posing some questions as to what he thinks about the T twenty game, what he thinks about the Pro tiers. And uh Gary's look he's very very insightful. He is a bit of a fence sitter on a couple of things but you know you, you can't speak free and fair when you have got a lot of obligations to go for. But still you know he's always a really great source of insight. So I'll have that for you. Uh I got some other clips about Australians fighting and uh there's also just a really cool clip around well Alonzo and that he actually did survive. Yesterday's crash was crazy. Absolutely insane. Anyway, enough about that. Let's get into what Gary Kirsten's got to say about the Proteas and then we'll get into this week's headlines.
1: I think the bottom line is we've got uh, we've got a great team in T20 cricket specifically. In fact it's yeah, one could argue it's been our strongest format over the last uh, while. So we've got a fantastic team to go and compete for a for a trophy and I think our expectation would be that we're very capable of winning a trophy. But then one's got to take into account how difficult it is to win a World Cup. It's not just an easy thing to do. Everything's got to kind of stack up right. Form's got to be good at the right time. You need key performances in the big big situations. Um, You know, it would be fair to say that we've got a bit of scarring in that space and we need to be able to overcome that. But there's absolutely no doubt in my mind that we have the resource required to go and win an event of this nature.
0: Scarring, huh? Good use of words there. We definitely do have some scarring and uh, it's already showing... I think England kind of scarred us. But let's not get into cricket just yet. We've got a big cricket feature for today. We've also got Hans Krenjer from the dead. It's going to be an exclusive interview that we've got with him talking all the things about T20 and matches ahead. Hopefully get some decent insights from him. It's our first person we've had that isn't alive. So that's also quite a new thing for you to enjoy today. But first, let's get into these headlines and let's get into what's happening in the football world. English Premier League. That is still going, of course. That is hotting up and it's a really exciting thing because if you don't support Leicester and you support the other teams right so say for instance you support Liverpool or Man United or Arsenal it's fair to say that Leicester's kind of your second team if your team can't win it we kind of hope that Leicester will pull through and pulling through they're doing right now now the thing about Leicester which i find most impressive and i mentioned it a few times now is just that they keep winning This is just what makes top teams so amazing, obviously. But for a team like Leicester, you would think they're going to bottle it at some stage, and they just haven't. They just keep on ticking over. You know, getting these 1-0 kind of wins where you think the team's going to draw or sort of like snatch a loss like Arsenal would do. They just keep going. So 1-0 away to Crystal Palace over the weekend. Beautiful three points there. Three points is not what Liverpool could get. They were 2-0 up against uh, Southampton, but they lost 3-2. Uh, Chelsea, they drew 2-2 with West Ham. So Hiddink's Premier League is still unbeaten his tenure there. Although he did lose out in IFA Cup, uh, Champions League, all the things that really were kind of important. Because Chelsea, I mean, that horse bolted a long time ago, even before they gave uh, Jose the sack. They're a mid- mid-table team, nowhere near getting into Europe. Spurs, they're keeping their title chances alive. 3-0 over Bournemouth and Everton. Well, they hosted Arsenal, and Arsenal finally got the goods on this one. 2-0 they won. Very good result. So how does that make the standings look after this weekend? Well, Leicester have played one more game than their rivals. So they've got 66 points. Now Spurs, with a game in hand, have 58. Arsenal, with a game in hand, 55. Man City, with two games in hand, they've got 51. That's because they lost on the weekend in the big Manchester derby against Man United. A couple of interesting things here. Firstly... It is an upset when Man United win the Manchester Derby nowadays. It's an upset, and I think it's a fair call to say that. Back in the day, it was very much an upset if City were to win, but now the tables have turned slightly. Not expecting this, but that new kid uh, for Man United. His name escapes me at the moment. Wow, Rashford, Rashford. Thank you, Duncan, the producer on the money again. How good is this guy? Just when you think that this Martial was going to be like the find of the season, this kid comes through. He did the did the damage against Arsenal and now one 0 over Man City, huge result for them. So, does Louis Van Gaal still have reason to dream of having a European spot here? Well, there's two schools of thought here. Firstly, those that want him out are thinking, "Hmm, not great." Those who just want Man United to win, oh, they're happy. I'll take anything, really. The really interesting dynamic for me is, well, I get some butter on my teeth. Sorry. The real instant dynamic here is the Man City one, okay? So Pep Guardiola's on his way there. End of the season, he'd be done with Bayern, and uh uh Pellegrini's gone, okay? So that's that's already done. It's not a secret, it's not a rumor. It is a contractual thing. So Guardiola's going there under the sort of intentions of taking Man City to another level, making them really competitive in Europe, obviously getting another league title to the name. But if they don't finish in the top four, which I'm not saying is going to happen, but it's pretty likely now. Uh, If they don't finish top four, then suddenly Pep goes there with the Europa League side, essentially. That's going to be kind of deflating. And I'd love to know, is there a clause in his contract where he's gone, I'm coming there, but I've got a sort of like back door open to me if they somehow finish out of the top four? Look, it's a slight possibility. You never know. Because this guy wants to go to England because he wants to achieve something new. I know that's got to do with the league. But still, if you're not playing Champions League, it's difficult to get these really big coaches. So, how funny would it be? Now, again, I'm just speaking hypothetically here. But how funny would it be? Man United get into the top four. They then give uh, Louis Fricol the arse. But then they manage to get Guardiola in a backdoor dodgy deal. That would be so funny. That would actually, it would create civil war basically. Manchester would be, would be red because of blood. Not because of team allegiances. It would be a flat out war if that were to happen. Be pretty funny, though, right? In PSL action locally, well, nothing to really kind of get excited about because it's all about Wits versus Sundowns, right? Last week, I wrote an article which was inspired by a listener of the morning show here on Cliff Central, Brasatani, and he said that um, Sundowns will run out of steam. Well, there was a really big turn of points last week where Wits beat Pirates 1-0. Sundowns lost to Celtic, Bloom Celtic, the troubled green and white team from Bloom. So with seven games to go, right? The, the gap is now just four points. So I was looking at the different, uh, breakdown of, of coming in of the teams. Uh, Sundown's in the league. They've got, so what, seven matches to go. So this is how it breaks down for them. They play three matches against top five teams, one match against the middle five team, and then three matches against bottom five teams. So it's quite well spread there of who they play. And then Witz, ah, much for muchness really. They play two top five teams. They play four middle five teams and only one bottom five team. So as some could say they might have the the harder running. But whatever it is, if this can somehow go tight, right? Gap at the moment is four points. Let's just say Vitz can get it down to one point. Let's just like just say hypothetically, in the next five matches, they get it down to one point. Eleventh of May, Vitz versus Sundowns, what a match that will be. Because that could essentially be a title deciding match. It would be bloody exciting if that would be the case because a lot of the time, these leagues get wrapped up a few weeks before the end. Teams dominate and they just keep going and they take all the opportunities. But now at Sundowns, this is where another twist comes in. Sundowns and Vitz both in African competitions, right? CAF competitions, up until the weekend. Vitz out. They lost to Azra Azam. They got hammered in the first leg here in, in Joburg and then they went to Azam and they managed to restore some pride just going down their 4-3 but they've lost seven through an aggregate, right? So they're out of the con- the CAF CONFED Cup. Now, Sundowns, they're still in the CAF Champions League. They managed a 3-1 aggregate win over AC Leopards from Congo. So a 1-1 of the weekend. Uh So they go through. They're either going to play AS Vista of the DRC or Farah viaro Maputo from Mozambique. So if you look at the... Uh, the PSL breakdown, okay, seven games each. The next time these guys play in the league is 13th April, so they've got a bit of a break there. Um, there's going to be some Bafana games as well. We've got Nedbank Cup as well, which they're both involved in. But if that seven games still goes down there, right, and Vitz can just focus on those seven games, injuries going their way, all that kind of stuff, sundowns are still going to be stretched elsewhere. Wow, this is going to be an exciting finish. Huh? So I do apologize if I'm not covering your team in the PSL, but it really is, in my opinion, just down to these two and it's important that we see them in isolation And what's going to be a fantastic title chase in rugby. Now, I'll get into Super Rugby a little bit later on in the show. Uh, we've got some clips to play around that. And it was an interesting weekend because, firstly, you see the full scale, uh, geography-wise, um, geographically, of where this tournament is being played. You go all the way from Singapore... Uh, Christchurch out to South America. The matches all over all over the time zones. It really is kind of cool to think that one tournament can be so, well, diverse as far as um, locations are concerned. Yeah, sure, there's going to be some watering down in the 18 teams. But it was something so cool about the fact that the Jaguars were hosting the Chiefs and what a match that was. Wow. But we'll get into Super Rugby towards the end of the show. What I do want to talk about is how Eddie Jones has turned things around in England. What an incredible achievement that is. When you think that they were bridesmaids for so long under Stuart Lancaster. um, They didn't even make the quarters in the World Cup, a home World Cup. And here they are, Six Nations champions. Now that we knew from their second last game. But they managed to do so, right? And then they managed to get the grand slam win as well. 31-21 over France in the weekend the first time in 13 years England have the Grand Slam. So, a really, really big deal, that. So, obviously, that's beating all the other teams. So, they beat Wales, Ireland, Italy, Scotland, and France. Huge, huge deal. And all Eddie Jones said is that Lancaster did an amazing job assembling a good young squad. They, I think, were the youngest squad in the World Cup. The average age of around 26. If you've got a team that's really, really good and winning, and again, England, they've just won the Six Nations, they have to be considered as really good. Whether you think the standard is less or more, that's immaterial right now, this is a big deal. And if your average age is around 26, 27, wow, what a future this team has. Eddie Jones has gone in there and you say the big change, this is the big major difference here, is that of mindset. He's gone in there with this brash Aussie hard arsery and just basically shaking these guys up saying, look, no more cocking around. We're going to be the best team out there. We're not going to just lay over and get run over by the Southern Hemisphere teams. We're going to take them on and we're going to win. And we're going to start by knocking over the guys in our home patch. And they did just that. They were pretty good. And this is a team that literally got gelled together. I mean, Eddie had less than, I think, a 100 days in total to get everything going together. And that's, that's nothing when you think about it. To get a forward pack that's going to knit together, to get a captain that's going to basically get all these players to sort of be galvanized around a common cause he picked like the dodgiest guy as well the guy with the worst disciplinary record and he gave him the captaincy it was a bold move but that's what eddie is he he got in there and he's realized perfect place in his career right he's done everything and now he's going for the big money job and they basically said look eddie all yours bud here's the money money's on object let's just have you and let's just see you spin your magic like after what do you do with Japan, okay, expectations so low. He came out spending like a hero after that. So now expectations are still pretty low and it's England and you've got England resources. The guy's done well. Uh, all credit to him. Good on Yeti, you, you've done a good thing. And I think world rugby is a much better thing when England is stronger. It's as simple as that, really. And I'm not just saying it to be sort of friendly towards the English. It's just that the more powerhouses we have, the better it is. And the same goes for Argentina. The same goes for whoever other, like if America ever became a a power in the 15 man game, which I still, I don't see. I don't see that happening. It's just they haven't got the mental fortitude for such things, I don't think. So, good day for rugby that England is strong again. In the Australian Grand Prix, that started yesterday, um and yeah the big talking point is this very scary scenes at the australian formula one grand prix fernando alonso somehow walked away the incident occurred on lap 18 and the replay
1: showed just how fortunate alonso was to escape serious injury
2: had already pitted of course here comes alonso oh oh yeah
3: so it was not a car failure oh, that all looks a bit familiar to me to be honest just and, adjust, and then it dug in he's looking to the right switches sides and gutierrez is braked much earlier than he expected or lifted off much much earlier than he expected
0: scary scenes Terrifying there for you indeed but thankfully as we said fernando alonso okay. Yes. is okay okay thank you uh it's very very scary scenes when you look at it because he, he claps this guy's tire that's um I've forgotten his name already. Alonso basically looking to take the guy on the outside and clips his tire. And the car just goes flying into the... What they, they were said like 200 miles an hour. I doubt it was that fast, maybe 200 kilometers an hour. And he just flew into that fence. And then the thing is, all these safety zones are prepared in such a way that it's all about flat-out driver safety. So if there's a corner and you going to a dead end, there'll be gravel, something that'll slow you down. The problem is, though, the friction course from going from a smooth surface to the coarse stones alanta's wheel dug in and then the car just took flight and it just spun and it must be so so scary because essentially your head is outside of the car right i mean these things are obviously well designed so you'll never actually hit your head because there's like a roll cage or not a roll cage but that your your actual cabin is designed such a way that you'll be alright. and uh all you see is just the the world moving around you in funny um, directions but literally they everything came to a standstill both drivers up both drivers saw if they were alright, and thankfully they were. But into the actual actual driving, the ones that did finish the race uh, with their car in at least one piece. Just Alonso's car. Just try find a picture on the internet. It is such a mess. Like guys, that's some bad luck the last few years. Anyway, so it was another Mercedes one too. But before I sound all doom and gloom about that, it actually looked like it was more competitive than usual. Ferrari hugely hyped to kind of do something decent this year, and trust me, the sport needs it. I think even if you're the most neutral of F1 fan, you would understand that there needs to be a bit of a shake-up there. So Ferrari did pretty well in testing. They definitely said they're going to be a much better threat towards Mercedes this year, and they were. I mean, Vettel was doing well, Raikkonen was right up there, but the tyre strategy didn't pay off. Now, they said because that the race was red-flagged after Alonso kind of crashed out so tragically in the 18th lap, the tire strategy backfired for Ferraris. They were on a softer compound. So basically, they were looking at running faster, but they would have to have a stop in there in order to get the tires. Because I mean, softer tires, they're faster, but they obviously um, sort of get um, eliminated or eroded, uh perish much easier. There's a word in there somewhere. I think you know what I'm talking about. And uh, Mercedes, they had a slightly more conservative, harder compound, which meant they didn't have to go for the stop. So slow and steady, winning it there for Mercedes won two. And uh, it was another Nico Rosberg win. I mean, the guy won three times last year at the end of the season. Well, look, Hamilton already won the title, so some say he wasn't really giving too much of a shit. But Rosberg knows this is the best way to start the season. And uh, it'll be interesting to see just how buddy-buddy these guys get because Hamilton's become quite used to taking center stage. You know, Rosberg's good and he's got a great car, but if he gets a couple more wins, I think Hamilton's going to become quite a sort of different kind of beast than the cool, calm, and collected, smiley guy that he is. But uh ferrari full credit to you guys you've got to get up there the sport needs you to be good and uh yeah hopefully the tires play in your favor a little bit more than that so yeah so the final final story there was the golf the bay him uh, sorry arnold palmer's uh big tournament at bay hill it's a really great run into the masters and so the masters will take place on the weekend of the 7th of april that'll be around one over there it's a thursday and you could not hope for a better form run-in for all the top players. Adam Scott is just killing it at the moment. He's won twice already in this sort of very lucrative swing right now. I mean, all these big tournaments have all the best players playing right now in the sort of Florida area, where this is obviously very good for this time of year. And Rory McIlroy, a bit up and down. Jordan Spieth hasn't found his best yet, but you've got a guy, Jason Day, just one, okay? So now he's number two in the world. Adam Scott on fire, like I mentioned. Rory... uh Sorry, Ricky Fowler had a good start to the year. He won in Upper W, and he came so close in Phoenix. You've got the top 10 golfers in the world. Dustin Johnson's looking pretty good, as always, this time of year. It is going to be such an exciting major. And I've actually got a, a competition which I'm going to run, but I'll tell you about next week, Uh where you just guess the winners and you can win some really great golf shoes. But I shall get to that next week. That kind of wraps up for the headlines. What I have for you next, and we really do have a lot of content uh, this week, so I apologize if I'm going a little bit fast. What I have for you next... There's a little panel discussion to kickstart our cricket for for the day. Now, Friday was scarring, right? It was just nothing more than scarring. Uh, Gary Kirsten at the top of the show, he said that there is some emotional scarring with this team and it's hard not to think it, there, there will be. We've had some terrible losses. Huh? Jesus, we've had some emotional roller coasters of note. Friday, we set England a total of 232 to chase in 20 overs and we lost. The bowling figures were horrific. Uh, this team doesn't seem to know what a Yorker is, or at least how to execute it. And we're just going with the one spinner. I know there's like this call for the seamers because we're playing on a harder and faster pitch, but they're travelling. New Zealand are showing us how. Get a few more spinners in there, and it's not going to go too badly. I promise. But it was just horrific. Just absolutely horrific how they took us to pieces. You know, we're laughing at the English and how bad their bowling was. I'll just give you a quick little rundown here on Friday's match. Uh, I don't mean to be bringing up old wounds here on a Monday because you want to be a bit uh, a beat. But uh Robada, four overs, two for 50. He was one of the best. Staying two us for 35. Um, oh, I wrote an article on Sunday about how Maybe it's time he moves away from the white ball, and uh, he was promptly dropped for the next match. Abbott, 3.4 overs, 3 for 41. He was our best. Tahir, well, just the one wicket for 28, but not a single boundary did Tahir go for in that massacring of 230 for 8 by England. Really great, and again, he just proves to be our best bowler in this format. JP Dumneau, I think, did bloody well for his 1 for 31 off fifty 3, 15 runs coming off that last over. And then oh, Wayward Morris, 0 for 39 after three. That was our bowling on Friday. Thankfully, it picked up. Thankfully, indeed, it picked up. We managed to beat Afghanistan yesterday by 37 runs. But Afghanistan managed 172 runs. I know it doesn't really make a big difference in the greatest scheme of things because SA did win it and won it relatively convincingly. But the last time those two teams played, Afghanistan was all out for 80. 8 right? And here there are 172 which just shows, like, the guys are making good progress, but this Proteus bowling lineup is just so leaky. Uh, Fisa went for big tap yesterday. Rabada again, just with a new ball. He doesn't seem to have the right game plan. And Abbott as well took some major, major tap. Tahir was good. Morris even better. And that's what saved us yesterday. Otherwise we could have had a very, very sticky situation against a team which people still call minnows, which I don't think is fair because they definitely deserve their place in this tournament. And, uh, no shame in the fact that that game went quite tight. Anyway, we'll get into that it's a bit more in-depth as far as the fixtures and that kind of stuff at the end of the show. But right now, we're going to play a little panel discussion of what is South Africa's best team right now. Well, it's an interesting conversation. Joining me is Sumi R F and Langdon Bat.
1: This is com.
0: Right, so Afghanistan were, well, able opponents, really, in the end. 172 all out. they have fared very well against the protiers But... 209 was what the Proteus set out and uh, Chris Morris was man of the match there he bowled very very well we spoke through the live commentary today about how the fact that he needed to bounce back and just basically show that he is a lot better than David Visa and he was and he was indeed so just getting the thoughts of of my panel today Langdon and Simi it was essentially a satisfactory victory in that South Africa did win by 37 runs they scored 209 with the bat they did bowl the team out uh, no. It's something. It's something.
3: It is something, but I don't think it's everything.
0: Was it a was it a good day for them today?
3: I think we 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 get together in the, in the hotel afterwards, and the guys will the guys will sit down and they'll say, "Well, did we tick boxes? And batsmen scored runs, uh, bowlers took wickets." Um, but but I, th- I think as a as the number three nation, cricketing nation in the world, it's more than just ticking the boxes. You see, I disagree. Here's my thing on it, Ben, is that because T Twenty is a
1: game where you have to go over by over by over. If they say, "Let's look at our power play overs, the six yeah. the six overs we bowled," was it good enough? And the answer has to be no.
0: Very much no. Afghanistan for their six six over power play, they scored sixty four runs against the new ball of the Proteas, and that is a massive worry. Huge.
1: It's huge because if Afghanistan can score sixty four against us in a power play, yeah. God be with us If we make it to the Semi-final or final
0: And we're facing Any one of the other Big top teams Well guys Even just our next match Which is this Friday Against the West Indies If Afghanistan Are giving us 60 Giving us 10 10 and a bit and over Yeah What's going to happen With Chris Gale
3: What would happen If Chris Gale was batting Where Shazad was Holy shit. Yeah. It could we have mean, been
0: another score. It's worrying. It's worrying. It's a massive concern. So we said that KJ Rubada is maybe there's too much emphasis on him to be the spearhead of this attack. Yes. I don't think Dale Stein is meant to be the spearhead. He's not even, He wasn't playing today. Uh, and when he has played, he hasn't bowled his four overs. Yeah. Limited game time post-injury. But it's pretty clear he's not the strike bowler. Okay, So we're getting a 20-year-old to be our strike bowler. That falls out. Who's next? Abbott as well. Took major tap. And then eventually he found what his length should be. Chris Morris was the only guy who did it today, but we know historically. I mean, that he can't it, maintain it. He his can't. career runs and over is almost ten. So there is some big issues here for the the bowling lineup of of the Proteus. The batting is fine. I think we we spoke about it at length. Yes. the top six is good.
1: Well, I think the batting unit is actually the only thing that's keeping us in games. I think it's pretty
3: healthy. I I agree with you completely. Mm. It's, it's, it's healthy where you know that if our top order or if our our openers do somehow stumble and fail, we've got Oaks like Fuff and we've got guys Mm. like, like AB. And, and if it really hits the fan, you know that you can rely on, on, on JP and and Miller to actually do something. And it's good because that's what we lacked in all the other series. We lacked relying on JP.
0: Okay. So we've got, we've got two factors here. Bowling is the is the big problem batting i think is fine so our next match will be on friday and that'll be against the west indies so that'll be a day night match uh that will be played in um nagpur okay so nagpur this friday coming up yeah. let's just quickly go through the team just to wrap it up for today Top five speaks for itself. Yes. Yeah. I think Dumini...
1: Top six, actually.
0: Well, yeah, we're sneaking to the top five now because Dumini is the only question mark. If Dumini does not come through with this uh, hamstring, which you tweaked today, mm-hmm. who's going to be the replacement for him? It's obviously just a hypothetical if. Do we go Riley Rousseau?
1: You can't go Riley because you have to understand JP makes up one of those four of the quotas. Does he, though? He does.
0: Because Amla...
1: Amla, JP, Imran, Rabada. Those are the four.
0: I know, but now... Let's just say. Oh, okay. we've been we chatting about okay. having
3: Aaron because we we are going to address something yes. in the bowling attack. Oh.
0: So on a batting level, if mm-hmm. JP Duminy can't play because of injury, bring in Riley Rousseau. Yeah. Uh, you,
3: okay. Yeah. You why bring not, your, You well, bring her aggressive in, enough? Yeah. And you and again, it's not something that you you are gonna you're gonna panic when he comes to the wicket. Yes. You, you know he's dependable.
0: Okay. Well, look. Obviously, the other name in the hat would be Behardin
3: Yeah. Take him right out that hat, Ben. <laughs> Throw away that fucking hat. Um. I'm sorry, Ben. Yeah. Did you?
2: Where's the hat? I know you're trying to be objective and a nice
1: guy. I know that's your persona that you're a nice
2: guy. Okay,
0: okay, okay, okay. So they're they're the top five, right? So it's going to be Cock and Umler. Great, great opening pair. Fuff, AB. Fuff, AB, there we go. Or or, um, AB5. Depending on the situation. There's our four. Fifth is going to be Duminee. If he's out, then Riley Russell will come in. Number six, we've got Miller. Brilliant. Then number seven, I said it before the tournament, and I, I support it more now than ever. There's only one place for Visa... Or, or, or Morris, Morris. yes. It's Graham seven. Smith confirmed today on Twitter which means it's absolute gold <laughs> and love, you, love you Graham it's Miller sorry it's, it has to it's, be. It's, it's Morris it's Morris because Visa le- leaks too many and even if he is really good at batting you can't leak that many
3: yeah there's no way I mean, you can just,
1: you can just be... to
0: remind you of those figures again so, I mean, Just sorry to like catch you off there something.
3: This is, I mean this is a trial game between the two of them this yeah. is a
0: trial game between the two of them they bowled at similar times Chris Morris 4 overs 4 for 27 David Visa 4 overs nothing bugger all Pollocks, 0 for 47. You
1: see, you can't play Visser. There's no way, because what they do is that they balance it out. They're like, okay, cool. This guy's going to bowl so many overs and let go of so many runs. So you're telling me Visser can score a 50. That's basically, that's the only way he can even out his stats is if he goes to
3: the crease and mm. smacks a 50. Visser yeah. would play if we had two dynamite strike bowlers that that we yeah. can guarantee four wickets in the in the, in the the first seven. Oh, like Donald and Pollock in like, their primes. Well, that's yeah. it. And then you could have a, a Craig Matthewsy, David Visscher. Craig Matthews, well, well, heard that you, name you know. Ages. Again,
0: I think Craig yeah. Matthews would be would be pissing in your pot well, if you yeah. say He, he looks far mentality. away
3: from me, so I'm fine.
0: Okay, so Visscher's gone, and I think today proved it. So they've yeah. got Morris at seven. So now what I'm thinking is, and it's about time we actually used our heads here because look yes. at New Zealand how they've innovated with team selection. They've got the balls to basically say a guy like Trent Bolt. You kind of almost won as the World Cup. 50 over uh, tournaments But we're not year. going to use you. But we're not going to use you hmm. because we need more spinners. Uh, Tim Saudi, you've been amazing. You're brilliant. And you can hit the ball very long at the end. We're not going to use you. We're going to put all our faith in this um, Sodi guy. Yeah, He's going to bowl leg spin because we're in India. Um, Santon is going to play. And we'll probably play Nathan McCullum as well Yes, because he bowls a bit of offspin. Mm-hmm. They've really got it all sorted out. And they've beaten India convincingly and they beat Australia, Australia as well. So what we've got to do is we've got to say, right, this is our bowling attack. This is our problem. And what we need to do is we just shore up our problem. Batting's fine. We've got six great batsmen and we've got a seventh guy that can hit it. Yes. Perfect. If we can't chase down totals with that or win games with that, there's too many failures. Yeah. So it's not the bowler's problem. Mm-hmm. Bowling attack, we've got to get Pungiso in here. If he's there, he must play. It's as simple yeah. as that. Well,
1: eight has to go to Abbott.
0: Well, eight, eight will go to uh, Rabada and Abbott. Yeah. Cause, so those are going, oh, that's our new ball, right? Yeah. Rabada and Abbott. Yeah. So eight, nine. They Sadly. haven't, they haven't Sadly. been great but you're not going to bring in Stane because he's short of match time and confidence. Yeah. This is out of the picture. So we've got Abbott and Rabada. That's our openers. Mm-hmm. We've then got Tahir. Obviously, he's, all, he's pretty much our, our man. Yes. I mean, today he was two for 24 or four overs. Yeah. He's, dead, he's, he's solid. So you've got to have P- so There we go. We've got two spinners. So we've got, um essentially, two spinners. Doomy can help in if the, if the pitch really helps. And then we've got two seamers.
1: Well, that's if that's if he plays. If
0: that's if he plays Yeah Now if he doesn't play Then obviously there's more On Morris to finish his four overs Which I is going to He's going to baffle with Well we got the, got the I feel if Dumini
3: doesn't play You have to play Panguisa Got the West Indies They love the ball coming on Someone like Chris Gale Loves, loves facing Seamus yeah. up front yeah. Slow him down completely yeah. I feel you have to play
1: If there's no Dumini You have to play the other spinner Yep. Purely because Dumini gives you that spin option
0: which today it, it couldn't happen because yeah. he, he went off in the first ever. Yeah. yeah, so that's a, as simple as that, hey, guys. So we've got Indies next. That's on Friday. We can't really look any further past that because this game just goes so quickly. We all know the nature of T20. But it's as simple as that. We've got to open up with the cock and umla, Then we've got Fuff, AB, SR3-4 combo. Then we've got JP Dumini. If, if unfit, Riley Rousseau comes in at five, David yes. Miller standalone at six, Chris Morris at seven, then we've got uh Rabada at eight, Abbott at nine, Pangiso and Tahir, that's your ten and eleven. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's a good that's a good side. It's that, a, a team that's got balance, it's a team that ticks every box I believe, and it's a team that could maybe of keep it in the tournament.
1: Here's a spanner, right? In the works. We're saying that Stain is not playing because he lacks game time do we feel the same about Pungizo? we say that his game time would be better just because he's the spinner
0: I just think we we are so far gone Yeah, it's something that we need yeah that's exactly what it is it's so far gone we can't even assess him anymore we've got to pick him because he's a spinner Mm. yeah so that's the South African team just to quickly wrap up guys who else do you think is the real favorites here or is it a tournament where it's actually not even about favorites
1: yeah I don't think it's Uh, T20 is a sport where anybody can do it on any given day would you be surprised if West Indies lifted the trophy
0: yes I actually would be
1: I don't know if I would it's
0: because Gale has, has to fire every single time it's their game hey? yeah. it's their game though yeah but if Gale doesn't fire what's Randon gonna do
1: <laughs> nothing <laughs> what's Darren
0: Sammy really gonna do nothing what's Samuels really gonna do every time I would be surprised if, look, if they do look
3: the, the nice thing about this is that no one predicted New Zealand to beat India or Australia Yeah, or Australia and it happened uh, this is the format where anything can yep. happen.
0: Well, look, as my Australian friend Dennis Friedman said, if New Zealand get their batting sorted out, they're pretty much a in for this title. Well, mm-hmm. even say, I'm paraphrasing terribly, but they're looking like the ones. India, they're very nervous and tentative, and I yeah. think they showed it last night Pakistan haven't got the composure. Sri Lanka, I'm not entirely sure they've got the star quality. Australia haven't got a spinner. So it narrows it down, and I think if we can get our shit together, and I say we getting our shit together with a lot of optimism, a lot of hope, Mm-hmm. But again, it's, it can be whittled down to a three four horse four horse race. England I think no. No, I don't think England no. can it. So that's it for me. New Zealand, SA, India. And I'm saying the SA thing with a lot of optimism. This if this could be the team. game.
3: This could be the game where it was the, the shit slap that we needed and, and it, it tells us right. Oh, time, oh this is Time, Definitely not that game. Though. Time, time to actually g- get down to it and p- pick the side that. I would need not to be play. surprised in the next game on Friday against West Indies. Same we side. Go, we,
1: not even the same side. We actually take. Uh, we actually just add in. We take out Visser and we just add in stain. I would not be surprised yeah. for us playing four seamers and a
0: spinner. Well, guys, let's let's just try to stick to what we think is because we are sound of rational mind yes, right yes,
1: now. Yes, we are sound of rational mind. Russell Domingo isn't. Okay. Where was he today? Did anyone? Did, I, I saw him at the anthem. Uh, that's about it yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. yeah. they had a, a quick shot of him at the end of
0: standing well that wraps it up it's been a really interesting day for live commentary here on Cliff Central uh, we'll do it again if oh, if, if, if <laughs> the proteas, <laughs> we'll do it again if the proteas can make it into the same ease in the final come on boys uh, five. come on boys I need this gig stuff. and uh, that wraps up for today catch us soon catch us on Twitter me Ben Kopinski at follow the bounce yeah. send RF yeah 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 claiming it whoever that guy is Such a plugger. Yeah, so that was the panel discussion we had about the best team the protesters can have. pangisa has got to be in there, simple as that. And if he comes in there, I think there's balance. I think we might have a chance in this tournament. But talking of chances, uh, maybe we're taking one here. We're trying to actually go through a couple of dimensions. And we're trying to speak to Hansi from the dead. Hansi?
2: Hello, Ben.
0: Alright, okay. Hansi, uh, just hang on there for a second. Hang on, hang on. I, I really hope it is him. You know, it's, of course, as it being World T20 time, and, uh, it's been an incredible week in the Super 10s. There was quite an upset right off the bat with India, though. Uh, they lost to New Zealand in the opening game, and they're, yeah, they, ugh, they were bowled off at 79, chasing a pretty low total. They're not too many surprises from there. So to talk about the tournament, and to guide us through this next week's fixtures, I have, uh, Hansi Crenier, from the dead. Hansi.
2: Hello.
0: Yeah, I like it yeah, himself, man. yeah but
2: not so bad
0: okay Hansi, as see if I
2: can be uh, I suppose being dead and all
0: yeah yeah of course um, Hansi we haven't actually had a call from the dead yet so I'm just going to turn you up a little bit uh, and then hopefully we can get just through a light yeah I've
2: been it's probably the humidity that, that gets to the lines and stuff ah.
0: uh, okay all right okay cool um yeah. yeah hansi well look let's get straight into it then the world t20 has been hugely exciting so far uh first week of the super tens as it's now called what what to you has been the big standout performance so far
2: um I mean, this whole t20 business it's been a bit of an eye-opener for me buddy okay. um you know i've been i, mean, I, I I really can't watch it without thinking how you know I would have loved it um, if it if it was around in my day.
0: Well, for sure, Hansi, with your batting, I mean, you would be an absolute hit. You would have made a huge impact.
2: <laughs> batting, yeah, <laughs> yeah, Tom. No, 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 not not my batting. No, no, I would have made millions as captain. You know, these games. I tell you, I watch it. I think uh, I just think to myself, "Geez, more twists and turns here than like." Like in an episode of, of Sevendel or or you know. So no no no, I could have had a note bowling a wide here, dropping a catch there, you know, going out for less than ten years, facing three top balls in a row there, you know, all of that. And and nobody would notice. Um it's just it's just too fast for, for anyone to notice.
0: Um Are you being serious, Auntie? Oh,
2: no, sure I am. You know, and, and the Oaks that play today, they're smart, you know. They they know how to do that. They're not like that Herschel bloody Gibbs, you know, who, like, forgets when he needs to go out. And, you know, if Herschel was, you know, if Herschel played today, he would have been making a killing, buddy. A killing.
0: <laughs> well, look, I think there's more to it than that, Hansi. I mean, look at good on Bodie. I mean, he couldn't get anyone to do anything and that was just in the domestic T20 league.
2: Yeah, no, but he's different. Bodie's a football man. You know, you don't, you don't take players to coffee shops and strip clubs and try and convince them. I, I sort of I set the blueprint. I um, I had the right idea. You know, you do it when you're the captain of the team. You know, because uh, then you've got some level of respect from from the guys uh, that's playing with you. You don't. You know, nobody's going to do anything for like a wanker in a tracksuit who turns up at practice and lurks around the net.
0: Okay, um look, I think we're getting a little bit off track here. Uh, just keen to chat about some of the World Cup T20 at the moment. Uh, oh, okay. Okay, for sure. Uh, just, um, a, you know, just, just, some, just some thoughts on that, I guess.
2: Well, look, you know, if you looked at it prior to the tournament, I thought the odds were a little low on India. So, you know, I put in some work um, just to get New Zealand to come through a bit. And uh, so far, so good. I think that pitch in the first game uh, helped to, to to make India look like complete blonkers. And um, yeah, the second match I had a little more work to it. I had to get, uh, what's his face, uh, Glenn Maxwell. I had to get him to steal the strike in the middle over there. And then, you know, sort of it all came together and they, you know, both fell for shit from there.
0: I see. wait hang a second. What do you mean you've been putting some work in on New Zealand to come through?
2: Look, Ben. I may be dead, buddy, but my network is still very much alive. I'm not going to let that go. You know, being dead is like dead boring. So uh, you know, I still need uh, I still need uh, the fix, man. I still need the fix to to you know, keep me going.
0: But Hansi, how on earth or, or death are you even doing this, though? Oh,
2: the how can I? The afterlife is a lot like prison, Ben.
0: Well, what, what do you what do you mean by that?
2: I don't want to have to spell it out, you know. Uh, just watch that—that uh, that orange is the new black show business. You know, you'll get the picture.
0: Okay, okay. Um, right, uh, We should go from here? Look, um, let's just move back to the Proteas. I mean, do you reckon they have any chance in this tournament with that leaky bowling lineup of theirs?
2: Do you want them to? Look, I can—I can pull a few strings. How much, how much are you looking to put down?
0: No, Hansi, Hansi, I, I don't think you're quite getting this, this interview. I'm actually looking for just what you think the chances of teams winning and losing are here. Wow.
2: That's not really my strong point, Ben. You know, and it doesn't really sound like a, like a lot of fun. Still got something else. I've got a few questions. Did, um, did Berta ever get remarried?
0: No, Hansi, Hansi, let's just, let's just keep it a cricketer.
2: You got involved with John T. Let please. Tell me she didn't
0: get involved with John T. see, I, I really I really think we're losing the audience here. Let's just, let's just go through the matches this week, okay? Let's just go through that and just try to predict um, some of the winners, okay? Okay. okay. Let's, let's
2: have
0: it. Right, so first up, we've got Australia versus Bangladesh today. Who do you think is going to win this one?
2: Who
0: do you want to win? see, <laughs> Auntie... <laughs> What? Auntie, I'm, you i me you,
2: you call me up. You call me up. You want to talk about cricket and then I'll ask you what you want and then you get upset with me. Man, if you wanted to have like a straight cricket chat, find fucking Nick Pringle or or Dale or someone. Man, I'm I'm a businessman, Ben. I'm not a bloody pundit, Ben.
0: Okay. Um. Sorry. Sorry, Hansy, Look, maybe this was just a bad idea. It's probably my fault anyway. Like, I'm, I'm sorry. Oh, uh, okay.
2: Okay. So do you want to put down a little
0: something? No, no. Look, Hansie. Yeah, I think we just ended here. Uh, this isn't quite what I had in mind, but um.
2: Oh well, yeah. When you want to talk, when you want to talk that cricket like a real man. You've got my number. You
0: know where to find me. Okay, thanks, Hansi. Um, yeah, I'll stay well, I guess. Huh? Thanks. Okay. thanks. All the best. All right. Okay, thanks, bye. Hansi. Ciao. ciao. Okay, well, that, um, well, yeah, I didn't quite go as expected. I was hoping that Hansi could give us something. Uh, clearly, <laughs> death doesn't change people, huh? Well, look, um, let's it's, uh Shit, sorry. I should not tell you sure where to go from there. <laughs> should we talk rugby should we go for rugby yeah let's give that i mean fantastic weekend as i said Uh, one of the one of the big moments this weekend was uh stormers versus the brumbies i didn't give them much of a chance the stormers in the week i thought that you know the form of the brumbies and uh just general abilities i mean their game was just watertight and they were really killing all their opponents i did not think the stormers were going to kind of match them uh uh, wow, wow why was i wrong
2: And very good from Adam Tua
0: once more, and this there's, there's a fight at the bottom right here. Yeah, plenty happening off the ball don't, here. Something
1: yeah, 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 but don't
2: go in. He's hardly been on the field. Just replaced his captain, Stephen Moore, who is gonna to have to come back on when we have another scrum situation.
0: So Josh Manray is a kind of a journeyman uh, hooker he came on for Stephen Moore and within about two minutes he started just punching Ollie Keble in the face which uh, you just can't do really you can't do and Sanzar being Sanzar he gets a whopping one week suspension for making punches in a man's face Call it what you will. You can't punch people in rugby. Now you know it sounds like a broken record. You know you, you watch these suspensions and you go, well, if it was an African guy, they probably would have cut his legs off. Like, can you imagine Bucky's brother back in the day punching a guy in the face? You would never hear the end of it. He would still be suspended. He wouldn't be able to, be able to take a like a retirement or a retrenchment check out of his contracts so He'd just be dead. But Josh Manray, a couple of punches, no worries. Um, Sam Whitelock ended the tour of a uh, Kings player nothing, you know, onto a nasty neck roll, no suspension, no, you carry on, mate, you do what you want to do. It's just sickening how the double standards are involved here. And that Stormus game was actually a good game, but it was marred by that. And Yaku, toilet paper, was trying his absolute best to keep that guy on the field. I mean, he really was. Like, I know you don't quite see the things on the big screen like we see it on at home in our lounge on TV, but it was very clear that the punches were thrown. It was an elbow and then a couple of punches. It was very, very clear. And all he was trying to do was, look, I think it's a yellow. I don't, I don't think it's a, a really big deal. Sorry, bit of indigestion. And, uh, eventually the TMO also lacking in the ball department just said, look, actually, Yaku, I think it's a red card because again, he punched the dude in the face. There's got to just be a lot more sort of precise officiating with these mm-hmm. things, which then another thing that marred the match was that try didn't now, look, depending on who you support to how much you care about this whole situation, but was the TMO trying to make up from the week before that when K- Khaleesi got uh, yellow carded for what they thought was a kick and then the penalty try ensued from there? It wasn't a try. I think as soon as the the, the player says to you, I dropped it, don't even bother referring it, that's when you go, fair enough, scrum five or 22, whatever it would have been. But no, they went to it and the camera angle was very flattering for the Stormers. So whether they're doing the job, whether or not, whether they're doing the job badly, whether or not, I don't know. It's just a shame because, again, I don't take any of the the sort of luster off that Stormers win. It was a big win beating the Brumbies like that. They didn't get the bonus point, but, I mean, you don't get bonus points against such strong teams like that. But still, they got three tries to one. Great effort there. 31 points the Stormers got there, 11 to the Brumbies, which means the Brumbies are no longer unbeaten. And uh there's just one unbeaten team left. But the way they played on Friday... Wow, it's, uh, it's a title they hold on to very loosely. The Sharks versus the Bulls in what could only be described as a pretty dour, dead, horrible encounter. One try each. There was just three offloads in the entire match. So there was a fair amount of kicking out of hand. It wasn't a great spectacle. And I'm not just talking about the Sharks away jersey. That horrible, maroon effort. It was pretty dreadful. And, uh, the Sharks managed to get their way into a bit of a lead. The Bulls clawed their way back. And, uh, after 80 minutes, it was 16-16. Penalty for the Sharks, they were just celebrating like it was the end of the game and they won. But Joe Peterson, he absolutely cocked up the kick and it was 16-all. Earlier games on Friday, the Hurricanes absolutely smashed the force. Six tries to zero, 41 points to six. Hurricanes looked like the team we will expect them to be, really. With a staggering 811 meters run compared to the Visitor's 320 meters run, they look a good side. And I know the force aren't the greatest, but still, you've still got to beat every single team in this tournament because they're all pretty plucky, even the ones at the lower echelons. Waratah's Highlanders, also a tremendous match, that one. I thought the Highlands would pull through. Uh, but after f- 55 minutes, they were 30 nil up. That's not even close. That's just a hammering. I mean, they were so far up, they were even not like slotting drop goals. But then... Uh, Holloway for the Warriors. he got a hat trick, and they're right back in the mix, and right until the death, they had a sniff. 30 points for the Highlanders, 26 for the home side Waratahs. Very, very good result there for the Highlanders, who, after a shaky start against the Blues, they really have come back quite nicely in this tournament, and have been unbeaten ever since. Other games from Saturday, the Sun moves, they're still quite a way off, they're getting that first win there. Uh, look, it's a tough thing to do this first season uh, when you haven't got the best squad. You know, they don't; they've they've got a couple of retraded internationals here and there, but ultimately they've got a pretty inexperienced squad. And the Ripples took full advantage of that. They got a bonus point win there, thirty-five to nine. Just a set piece in the basics and some defensive issues there for the Sun Wolves, but they'll learn from these things, and uh, they definitely will kind of go in the right direction. But having a team from the area of the world very good. Crusaders, they were ten nil down to the Kings. Early on, never saw that one coming. But inevitably, then they scored a try and another try and another try. And eventually they scored eight tries. Kings had three of their own, which is very encouraging. But again, they haven't got the resources to do this. They haven't got the abilities to kind of stay with these big teams for a half, let alone two. 57-24 in the end for the Crusaders. A comfortable bonus point win there for them. And that game was followed by the Reds versus the Blues. Pretty even match. Kind of made even more even than it needed it to be against, uh, by the ref, I thought. There were a couple of dodgy calls, and they definitely did help the home team, the Reds. The Blues, never good on discipline, but some of those calls were pretty atrocious, and then the Blues got a guy binned. Uh, Again, this is just what they do. They just need to kind of get a cooler head around this. Uh, But they did manage to come back at the end, and if it wasn't for a marginal forward pass in the death, they would have won it. Anyway, they got a penalty at the death, and unlike Joe Peterson, the Blues kicker managed to slot it 25-25. On to another South African match. The Lions hosted the Cheetahs and what I thought was a very disappointing crowd. Like the Lions, they really have created quite a resurgence for themselves. They've gone from being absolute whipping boys to winning curry cups to looking pretty good in the Super Rugby tournament. And the crowd was terrible. Look, I know the stadium's in Hillbrow. It's not exactly great, but it's still a great rugby experience and they need all the support they get. I think they've gone through all the highs and lows with their fans. They're on the upward swing and they need a better crowd than that. Weather was good too. I don't know what the whole problem was. Anywho, 39-22, the Cheetahs over the, over the cheaters there. Big win for the Lions, but they'd lost the opportunity on the bonus point, unfortunately. And that might come to cost them later on. You know, if you're going to do well in this tournament, you have to take every single chance, obviously. And when you are as far ahead as the Lions were, let it come back like that. cheetah scored two, two half, two second half tries. Sorry. Getting a bit tongue tied. Two second half tries. The Lions scored another late one at the end there, but 39-22. It's a win, but it's not a bonus point win. We spoke about the Stormers earlier. Big game for the weekend and probably most entertaining when you think of it and the enormity of the occasion. The first game of Super Rugby on the South American continent. The Jaguars and the Chiefs, who had to travel for, I think, two full days just to get there. Not the easiest place to get to, Argentina. And uh, it was a great match. It really was. The Chiefs are a good side. They just had a huge beating of the Kings. Prior to that, they did take a bit of a hammering from the Lions, but they beat the Crusaders, so they've had a decent season so far. And against the Jaguars, they were always going to be a very, very sort of physical encounter ahead of them. And when the Jaguars scored in the 73rd minute with one of the tries of the season, without doubt, to was started in their own 22 and was wrapped up beautifully with some real great pace and just precision. The Chiefs, however, fought back in the 79th minute with some brilliance of their own. And they came through to record a famous 30 points to 26 victory. Now, for the week ahead, this week, the Easter long weekend. So, if there ever was a time to watch a lot of sport, it is this weekend. Friday, good Friday. Hurricanes versus the Kings. Hurricanes just absolutely walloped the force. And you can kind of see the same happening here with the Kings. 8.35, that one's going to be. Then Saturday, onto our Saturday matches. Chiefs versus the Force. Chiefs, what a hell of a travel scenario that is, huh? South Africa, Argentina, back home to New Zealand, all in the space of three weeks. Anyway, they take on the Force. That'll be 8.35 that match. Rebels will take on the Highlanders, 10.45 that one. Sunwolves have the Bulls in Singapore. That's at 12.55 on Saturday. And the Cheetahs hosting the Brumbies at five minutes past three. Brumbies will be without that uh, Josh Manray, the replacement hooker. He just has one match suspension again. I must stress the lunacy around that. Just one match suspended for punching a guy multiple times in the face. just can't get over Sansa on the the balls they have here. Apparently because he pleaded guilty, like no shit. I mean the evidence was so overwhelming. Because he pleaded guilty, he got a one match suspension rather than a two-match suspension. It's just ridiculous how that happens. Anyway. So Sharks uh will be the match after that. That's versus the Crusaders, five fifteen. Are the Sharks the real deal this season? Like, I think they're far from it. But whether they're the best SA team, that will be, yeah, again, I just don't know. I just don't think so. Uh Lambie will come back in about a month's time, I think, uh, probably a bit later after that. The Ford pack, yeah, they're good. They're decent. Um, but the rest, I'm not entirely sure. I just don't think they've got enough t- attacking prowess. Execution seems a bit low. Uh, with Uh Look... These games are a lot more evenly matched than I think they have been in previous, previous years. So it's going to be a good encounter there. 515 on Saturday. And then the Jaguares, their next one at home is the Stormers. The Stormers have to go through the rigorous travel schedule to get there. They're probably in, in transit right now, somewhere, somewhere over the Atlantic. Jaguares versus Stormers, 1140. So late night game for the Stormers fans. It's a big, big day of rugby. A big, big weekend, long weekend of sport. That pretty much wraps up for today. It's been a long show. Thank you to my guests, my panel discussion, and, uh, Hansi, I don't think we'll call him again. I don't think he's a very reliable guest. His mind is very much on just one thing or one thing alone. If you do want to have your say about the show, please email me at ben at thebounce.co.za. Anything you want to chat about, I'm right here. Uh, more of this, less of that. You know, like, I'm open to any sort of suggestions. And if it means getting you more involved in the show, then so be it. Happy days indeed. I will finish off by just telling you what is on the bounce this week. Um, it's going to be a slower week. I'm going away for a little couple of days. I need a bit of a break. I've been covering cricket flat out. But I have been writing for a site in India called First Post Sports. So if you look at my Twitter feed, you'll see I'm recapping all the pro matches there. And then I'm also writing some opinion pieces around uh, the pro and the tournament itself. So I wrote a piece about how Dale Stain should perhaps cons- reconsider... Uh, his future in in white ball cricket. Um, there's some kind of damning stats there that could support the argument. Also to look out for is stuff on the bounce itself. Uh, this last week there is, of course, the sports crashes every Friday. That goes out. Some very good-looking ladies of sporting orientation. Uh, you can catch the bounce show in its entirety, of course, the clips that I play and everything else that goes with it, and you find out who the guests are. Also, I'm recapping and, and, and previewing all the Super Rugby. There is the bounce drinking game, which you can play during World T20. There is just so much. So the thebounce.ca.za. Also, the full interview with Gary Kirsten, uh, the Audi extra cover feature that I do from time to time, and then looking again at the Sundowns and Vits run-in for the title season in the PSL. That's all your sport for the week here on Cliff Central on the Monday. I'm uh, going to play out now with... I'm not entirely sure, actually. I do not think that far ahead. Wait, let's get a bit of an old classic. Thanks for joining me. Follow me on Twitter at FollowTheBounce. And Friday, West Indies versus SA. That's the next one of the crickets. Look forward to. Catch you back next week.
2: Cliff I've got important to tell you. Cliffcentral.com.